0: Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. Here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, you're listening to the always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, current student at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism here at Arizona State University. I'm graduating in a couple months, so you guys can go check out my website to stay up to date on all my latest work. That is the millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see my work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got a jam-packed show, as always, for segment number one today, we're going to be talking about Junior Guerrero, offseason acquisition, relief pitcher for the Arizona Dimebacks. Talk about what he's been doing the last few seasons with the Brewers and what he can provide in 2020 with the D-backs. And then in segment number two today, it's Theme Thursday. So I'm going to be answering your guys' topics and questions that he sent to me either on Twitter or email. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks, is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want to reach men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I'll rate to the most reasonable round. Email me at lockedondiamondbacks@gmail.com at gmail.com to find out more. For segment number 1 today we're going to be talking about Junior Guerrero, new or Junior Guerrero, new offseason acquisition for the D-backs. He's a relief pitcher who they just picked up this offseason from the Brewers. He debuted back in 2015 with the Chicago White Sox, but spent the last 4 seasons with the Brewers. He was primarily a starter his uh, first 3 seasons with the Brewers before they moved him into the bullpen full-time last year. And the numbers were pretty solid for Guerrero. He had a 3.55 ERA, 83 innings pitch. He finished 11 games. His strikeouts per nine was 8.3. He even had three saves on the season. The only thing that was concerning with him was a 3.9 walks per nine. That's a little high, so you don't like to see that number. But overall, he was pretty good with the, with the Brewers last season as a relief pitcher. you look at his splits month to month he really only had two bad months the whole season between June and July his ERA was a combined 5.2 just about was hovering around there but every other month it was below a 3.5 at least with most months being under three so it's pretty good uh, overall last season, he just really had a two-month stretch where he didn't look himself, and that's a little concerning. You always want your pitchers to be as consistent as possible. Yeah, you're going to have days where you don't look yourself, but a two-month stretch where you have a Pretty where have pretty bad outings every time out. That's not too good. Archie Bradley went through similar struggles last season before finally breaking out of his spell. So there are a little similarities between uh Archie Bradley and a junior Guerrero. But uh overall in this season, Junior Guerrero was uh pretty good for the Brewers. Craig Council liked to use him a lot in high-leverage situations. Uh, I believe half of his uh, situations last year were actually high-leverage situations, about 32 uh, high-leverage situations last year for Guerrero. So he was pretty trusted guy in the back end of the bullpen. Craig Council uh, really relied on him to get him out of jams and things like that. And it turned out pretty well. He was pretty effective in those situations. In terms of save situations, Guerrero had a 2.5 year array and only 11 walks in about 40 innings pitch. So that's pretty good. He even had about 20 holds on the season. So Guerrero is pretty good as a back end of the bullpen guy. And I think that's going to bode well for the D-backs in 2020. They don't really have a solidified back end of the bullpen guy. Probably looking at Archie Bradley as your closer right now. But he's not even a, a true shutdown kind of guy unless Archie Bradley could get back to that form he was a couple seasons ago. Where he, where he had that 1.7 ERA. But really, there, there's not really a guy on the D-backs I trust. Ninth inning, one run game. Uh, two outs, man on second and third, and uh, you need to get this guy out to win the game. Otherwise, you're you're looking at a potential walk-off situation. I don't know if there's a guy on the D-back side trusting that situation, but there are, there are a few guys on the D-backs who you can give that ball to. And Junior Guerrero is one of them. Archie Bradley is probably another. And you look at Yoan Lopez, that's probably another guy. Or maybe even a Hector Rondon. So there are three or four guys. they are probably a closer by committee, much like the Red Sox for the D-backs. And uh, I think Guerrero could be a really valuable key, a very valuable asset for the D-backs in that respect as a back end of the bullpen guy. Just because you never know if, there, if there's going to be injuries, or struggles or inconsistencies, Guerrero is going to be right there. He's going to be a guy that you could insert into your closer or eighth inning role or high leverage situation if you really need someone to depend on. And then I also think Guerrero is also, just because he has that starters experience, could be really valuable as a long relief pitcher if you see a guy like Taylor Clark, maybe if he struggles or if any of those other guys who are vying for that fifth rotation spot, if they struggle or get hurt, then maybe Junior Guerrero could be used as that guy for when your starter is really struggling early in the game, maybe he gets shelled. Giving up five runs by the third or fourth inning, then maybe Guerrero could come in and be a band-aid for the D-backs. Really start to clog up some of those wounds and really keep those uh, those other relievers fresh and uh, keep them healthy, so they don't have to come in early in a ball game and start to burn the burn their uh, arms or throw their arms out too early. And you could keep them fresher for longer in the game, and then they could be used in more games down the stretch as well. They won't have to. They won't need a day of rest if they're only coming in for an inning's work. Guerrero can save them there. This way you don't have a, your 7th inning guy coming in the 5th inning and pitching the 6th inning as well. You won't have to have your other bullpen guys going at least 3 innings. So I think Guerrero is going to be valuable in that respect as well because in today's MLB, you need to be a jack of all trades. You need to be versatile. The the day of the specialist is going to start to slowly die as we see these new MLB rules uh, now you need your pitcher if you if you bring in a relief pitcher, they have to face a three batters minimum. They can't just come in and just do the righty righty on righty matchup anymore and then take the guy out for your lefty versus lefty matchup. You can't do that anymore. Your pitcher has to come in now and face at least three guys. I think that really bodes well for a guy like Herrera, who has starters experience, has closers experience. So he could really do a lot of different things for the D-backs. I think it's gonna be very important to the back end of the bullpen this year whether that be as a closer or a long relief pitcher. I think we're going to see him a lot in different kind of situations, whether that be save situations or situations where you need your guy to pitch three or four innings or maybe as an extra inning guy like a Nathan Avaldi in last year's World Series where he gave the the Sox some very quality uh, extra inning uh uh, pitches, pretty much, <laughs> is what I want to say, where he gave the Sox a lot of extra innings in that World Series game and really saved the other relief pitchers from uh, going out there and not being able to be effective later in that series. I think Junior Guerrero is going to be uh, along the same lines as uh, as that. I think he's going to be a Nathan Avaldi type, actually, just a guy who could be as a starter or a relief pitcher or a back end of the bullpen guy, just because if you look at both those guys, they're both pretty versatile that could be used all over as a pitcher. So I like Junior Guerrero in that aspect. It just really depends on how Torrey Lavello wants to use him. And I think he will be used a lot. 83 innings pitched last year. And then he has a couple seasons where he's pitched over 100 innings. So... He has a lot of experience under his belt. He is 35 years old, so he's getting up there in age. But this is only his sixth season as a major leaguer because he's de- he debuted at 30 years of age. So in terms of MLB experience, he's still pretty young. And it's, I'm interested to see how Tory Lovello plans to use him in the 2020 MLB season. Now, you guys are going to want to stick around for segment number two today because it's theme Thursday, so I'll be answering your guys' topics and questions they sent to me either via Twitter or email. After this quick message If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that the Locked On Diamondbacks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Diamondback fans, just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Diamondback fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, let's put your company right here on this Locked On Podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com/advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com/advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. For segment number 2 today, it's theme Thursday. So that means I'm gonna be answering your guys topics and questions they sent to me via Twitter or email. Now the first question that was sent to me is, "Can you see the D-backs temporarily relocating in 2020?" And I could see that happening. This has been a hot topic. Recently, among D-backs fans and uh just the team in general, there's been a lot of talk and discussion about this being a possibility in 2020. Uh, Just having a backup venue poss- uh, might be a possibility just because there were some issues last season with retracting the roof and being in Arizona where it could get up to 115 during the summer. You need to protect your players and the fans too. You don't want that blazing heat coming in. It gets pretty unbearable here in the valley when it's the, the dead heat of the summer and those dog days. It gets pretty hot here and it can be pretty tough to manage. So, Taylor Hall, the CEO of the D backs, had to be proactive. He took a tour of the BC Place Stadium, which is regularly hosting the Canadian Football League, the BC Lions, and Major League Soccer, the Vancouver White Caps. So, the stadium is just something that the, the team wanted to look at just in case. They need a place to temporarily relocate during the season if they had more issues with the roof. Taylor Hall recently spoke to Arizona Sports and he said this. I mean, if that roof, meaning Chase Field's roof, won't close in the middle of the summer, we can't play here. Probably the union wouldn't allow it. Probably we wouldn't allow it. And he's right, you can't just allow, you can't just allow that. I mean, it's just gonna be. The heat is sweltering. It's hard to play. It's a suffocating kind of heat. Yeah, it's a dry heat, but when it's 115 to 120 outside, does that really matter? Hot is hot. That's what it is here in the Valley of the Sun. So I think it's great that the D-backs are looking at other options to take. Uh, They're saying right now they're not interested in relocating the, the team entirely, just more as a backup venue in case they have issues. But you never know. The D-backs took over duties from the Maricopa County back in the twenty back in 2018. Uh, they finally ended the lawsuit involving the county, and the team uh, hoped to break the lease with the county. Uh, because the county refused to pay $187 million in repairs and upgrades to Chase Field. So D-backs wanted to get out the contract. They finally settled the feud, putting the team in charge of the stadium, the upkeep, and helped the D-backs move forward and searching for options to relocate or rebuild their home in Arizona. And so far, that looks like where they're staying. Thankfully, they were able to stay here because I know the fans want to want them to stay here. I like having them in downtown Phoenix. I like having them next to Talking Stick Resort Arena. I just love the idea of seeing a baseball game during the day and a basketball game at night. And all you have to do is walk uh, 30 seconds up the block. The original thirty year deal with the county was gonna run through twenty twenty seven and then that wouldn't have allowed the D backs to search for a new home until twenty twenty three. But now the D backs could pretty much do what they want, just like little oozy. Now they do what they want. Now I do what I want. Now I do what I want. Yeah, so now the D-Backs could do what they want with the stadium and uh we'll see if they decide. To leave or go in the future, I think they they want to stay, but you know they've also been some rubblings with a, a, sub, a suburb of Las Vegas, the city of Henderson. There's been some talks about them moving over there. We'll see. Taylor Hall really talks about how those are great people over there. So you never know. That could be a destination down the line. But right now they're locked in and said to be at Chase Field for the foreseeable future. But in terms of a backup venue, I definitely think that's something they need to explore just because you don't want to have any more continued issues with the roof during the summer. Now, the second question I got was pretty much takeaways from spring training with the team and just spring training takeaways in general. So the way I view spring training is I take everything with a grain of salt. I was talking about this yesterday when I hopped on as a guest with the San Diego Padres podcast. I like to take everything with a grain of salt with uh, spring training. I just want to see my players who I know are going to be on the roster. Perform to their level, you know. I don't need to see my guy go out there and bat 400 during spring training. But don't go out there and bat 120. I just want to see respectable performances. You live pretty much up to your standard. Just play pretty much. I just want to see good baseball. Don't be, don't play, don't do anything that you wouldn't normally normally do pretty much. I don't want to see guys giving up a lot of earned runs. I don't want to see guys striking out a lot. I want to see good quality sound baseball. And that's not what the D-backs have done so far in spring training. They are currently dead last in the Cactus League with its 2-9 and record. If you look at some of their numbers as a team, they're 19th in batting average, 21st in OPS, 19th in home runs and 23rd in stolen bases so their offense has not been particularly productive uh, before their last loss to the Royals they haven't scored more than two runs entering a ninth inning during their losing streak so they've been struggling on the offensive end but I think the biggest struggle for the D-backs offseason or during during spring training has been their pitching They ranked dead last in terms of team ERA at a 7.95, just for some context. The Pirates are ranked 29th at a 6.2 ERA, the Angels are ranked 15th with a 4.3 ERA. So the difference in ERA between the 30th ranked team in the D-backs and 29th ranked team in the Pirates is about the same between the ERAs of the Pirates ranked 29th and the Angels ranked 15th. It's about the same gap in terms of ERA. So that's the 30. So that's one spot in rankings between the D backs and Pirates. And that's like 12 spots in rankings or 14 spots in rankings between the Pirates and Angels. So the gap is huge between. Uh, the D-backs in the rest of the league in terms of how bad their pitching has been it's because their starters have not been good or the guys who are at least vying for rotation spots have not been good this spring training you got uh, Luke Weaver who's given up six earned runs in two innings pitch you got Taylor Clark giving up 13 earned runs in seven innings pitch you got Bumgarner Five earned runs in 4.2 innings. Kelly and Gallon each given up three earned runs in four innings pitch. But I would say Gallon really only had one bad inning where he's given up one bad pitch where, where it was a three run bomb. So I really think Allen has impressed outside of that one mistake. And then Alex Young has given up three earned runs and 5.2 innings pitch. So that's pretty good. That's, a, that's, that's considered a quality start if he was to do that one one start. And then Robbie Ray has been the best starting pitcher of the spring training. One earned run and 5.2 innings pitch. So I really like how Robbie Ray has looked. He has six strikeouts two to his name. But those other guys, Bumgarner, Weaver, Taylor Clark, And Kelly and not I wouldn't say Alex Young, but definitely Merrill Kelly. Those four guys definitely need to pick it up. John Duplantier, one of the prospects for the d backs has been pretty good in spring training. He's been so he might be a guy that pushes those other veterans and starters for a rotation spot if they don't get their act together. I still have to see Bumgarner. I still expect Bumgarner to be a rotation starter and Luke Weaver as well but some of those other guys need to pick it up like a Taylor Clark if he wants any chance of making it into the rotation then I think Zach Allen has been pretty good in the rotation uh, has been pretty good in spring training outside of that one mistake pitch but overall the team has not looked good in spring training and it has caused some concern just because when your offense is not playing well and your pitching has literally been the worst in the league by a mile, that's a not a good combination. But once again, it is only spring training, so take it all with a grain of salt and let's hope by the time the regular season rolls around, they figure it out. Now, thank you guys for tuning in to today's podcast. We had a great theme Thursdays, and thank you to everyone who sent in qu- uh, questions and topics for me to answer, and you guys are going to want to tune back in again for tomorrow's podcast because it's Fastball Friday, so I'm going to be bringing the heat, my opinions, and takes all right here on the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Peace.